because Ben Garrison some every once in a while like does some really weird shit with his posting and his drawings. But then it's just also like for some reason everyone has an incredibly voluptuous ass. That's something that he is like there's lots of diapers. He's got some weird Ben Garrison's got some Listen, weird shit. Listen, we we could do a whole fucking episode on Ben Garrison and we very well might. I mean, can someone make the Ben Garrison video game? Yeah, we just need enough of an excuse. <laughs> it doesn't have to feature him that heavily. No. It just has to be in it a bit. Anger, yeah. <laughs> sexual lust, the sorts of things that you experience when you're playing a video game. All these concepts originated with Karl Marx. Nasty, nasty dogs. You're listening to Agab. All gamers are bastards. The only podcast about video games. Uh, I'm your host, Kay, and with me, as always, is my completely alive, exactly where we left him co-host, Kyle. How's it going, Kyle? (coughs) Kyle has COVID-19, unfortunately. You made it a live joke, right? When I'm, most people don't expect me to be ripping a bong on the other end of my, uh, of my microphone. But, uh, uh, no, um, I'm doing well. Uh, <laughs> what kay. people need to understand is this podcast is, is, it is the only video game podcast, uh-huh. but also it's the only podcast that rips fat fucking clouds. Yeah, there has, there's been no podcast that I can specifically think of off the top of my head that often talks about communism, video games, and uh, fat fat bong ribs. Um, we, we've been on a long road on this podcast. This is episode 500. Uh, if you haven't listened yeah. to the other 499, I, I don't know what's wrong with your podcast You, you need feed. to, or you're not going to be able to follow the, the narrative the yeah, storyline, yeah. you won't know what's going on. Yeah, this is a this is welcome to Night Vale. Um, yeah, <laughs> Bef- actually, before we get into the first segment, mm. there, there's something I briefly wanted to share with you. Ooh, and do. indeed, with all the listeners, um, yeah, just the past few hours, there's been loads of photos uh, that like journalists have been posting of people from the Trump administration leaving the White House with like valuables oh like there's a picture of a guy leaving with a lincoln bust there's yes. people leaving with like fucking uh like uh, uh framed like pictures and stuff uh, yes yeah i think that trump's admin might be looting the white house kings. on his way out kings all <laughs> of them kings. kings they have done two good things two good <laughs> things one is uh Everything that's happened with regard to Donald Trump's Twitter, uh, yep. because clearly they're putting more effort into um, him trying to get posting again than literally everything they've done over the past four years. And now this. <laughs> um, this is fan-fucking-tastic. Uh, it rules. I hope they take all the fucking copper out of the walls, man. Oh, man. They really will. This is what happens when you let these, like, weird parasitic grifters into your house they just like they're gonna start like like they're really just like we know they're just like 
ripping the TVs out of the wall and like there's just yeah. it's the just silverware. They're just gonna get in there and it's just gonna be a <laughs> mess of wires and like two lost aides who still like haven't figured out how to get out yet. Like so good. The first thing Biden's gonna have to do is fucking refurbish the whole White House because it's been stripped. <laughs> like just uh that's yeah, that's the only cool thing that you can do being in the White House is taking whatever as much as you can carry t- straight toward the exit. It's just That's like, what I would do. I would wah. steal everything. Everything, <sighs> man. I highly advise anybody who ever finds themselves in some sort of a position to where they can do so and, you know, be clever enough. Um if you are an outgoing uh administrator in the White House, first of all, probably I don't know. I don't know much we would really get along but at the end of the day there's one cool thing that you can do is and and it's on your way out just take whatever you can carry absolutely take like the big portrait of fucking washington or something (laughs) that's in there just (laughs) walk out with it it's just is it hanging in your condo in naples like (laughs) and sorry for all of the cultured listeners i definitely mean naples florida on the gulf coast of florida like like your condo in Palm Beach, like it's just, just just like steal a fucking original Norman Rockwell because you know that's they have all that American kitschy crap hanging in there right now because the Trump people yeah. are in there. So it's just that's just most like debased stuff. And then do that thing to it. You know when the lady redid the Jesus painting and she kind of made him look like <laughs> like a like a Lovecraftian ape. Like yeah. she, <laughs> she kind of make him look like he was like uh, like a uh, like a. Like the big scary ape monster from Sekiro. I hope I hope one of them does. It could happen. It could it could very easily happen. One of them will take it and like scuff it a bit, so they'll hire like one of the other grifters they know to refurbish it, and <laughs> they'll do a shit job. It just looks like Ben Garrison. Like <laughs> it's just like like it's got like for some reason it's about Heideggerian phenomenology because Ben Garrison some every once in a while, like does some really weird shit with his posting and his drawings. But then it's just also like, for some reason, everyone has an incredibly voluptuous ass. That's something that he is like, there's lots of diapers. He's got some weird Ben Garrison. Listen, weird shit. We, we could do a whole fucking episode on Ben Garrison and we very well might. I mean, can someone make the Ben Garrison video game? Yeah. We just need enough of an excuse it doesn't have to feature him that heavily it nah. just has to be in it a bit yeah <laughs> all right let's get into uh let's get into the news segment let's oh, let's yeah. slurp up that news what do you oh. got for us oh slurp indeed um well so i i'm very happy to let everyone know that uh lucasfilm has announced a new partnership basically long story short uh ubisoft is going to be making star wars now um this is supposedly not exclusive Ooh. um ea is very insistent like a uh like like a, a like a partner who has not given up on a relationship that clearly is not working as their partner moves on uh ea says that they're very excited for the nothing that they're going to be making just like they have recently when it comes to star wars stuff um yeah. and apparently this is just the beginning Ubisoft is going to be in charge of creating an open world Star Wars game. And then Bethesda, um, for in their first uh, title for Lucasfilm, 
or Disney or any of those groups are going to be developing the Indiana Jones game. And that is going to suck so fucking bad. I can't wait. Let's go. Oh. Let me play that game. Let me play it early. It's going to be terrible. It's that Disney is doing like a new Indiana Jones movie as well next year, I think, with Harrison Ford, which is crazy because he clearly hates it. Oh, absolutely. Like it. He, he's probably gotten to some weird tax shit like, you know, all of those celebrities do. So, like, how much of this really is... Oh, my, I mean, I almost just gave away the ending. The, the Indiana Jones game is apparently going to be, I'm quoting here, a passion project for Todd Howard? Oh, uh, so... So, between between that, that uh, and, and fuck me, I... I, I, I can't even, like, begin to fathom what Todd Howard is going to do with it. But between that and Disney churning out another Indiana Jones movie, um, I talked to you a bit about this earlier. I've been, I've been really thinking about how the fuck do you tell an Indiana Jones story in 2021? You know, like it's such a thing of its time. Like I'm thinking of like the opening scene where he takes like the golden idol from a fucking uh, Aztec temple or whatever. And then like fucking natives in loincloths are like chasing him shooting fucking arrows at him and yeah shit. they cut out the scene right before that where they stop and he starts measuring the shape of their skulls before they start running <laughs> yeah. again yeah it's like so you can't you, you can't because i mean e even when the um fucking crystal skull one <laughs> came out even then like they had to try to move away from that a bit because you, you just can't have him, like, getting in his plane, just being like, fuck you, natives, this is going to the fucking British Museum, or whatever. Um, uh, like, I feel like public opinion on that sort of shit has, has shifted to a point where that would just be unsavory now. <laughs> so, what I hope they do is what I'm calling woke Indiana Jones, <laughs> which I think would be very, very funny. Um... One avenue they could take is having him, like, uh, base it when ISIS is, like, making lots of gains in Syria. And he's, he's like, just in the territory they're about to seize. He's, like, trying to, to save artifacts. And then it he's uh, just shit that ISIS is going to fucking destroy. He's just got, like, a big pickup truck with all these fucking monuments and stuff in the back. Neo neoliberal Indiana Jones is... Uh... <laughs> Like it, it, it is standing atop a gigantic pile of uh, um, of antiquities and indigenous artifacts, um, uh, like a shining beacon into the sky. And just behind him, obscured from view, is a sea of NGO employees shoveling all of those into a gigantic plane that just says USA on the side of it. Um, or wherever the fuck ever, or the British National Museum, or whatever colonial, like, rotting apparatus, like, colonial core, like, imperial core bullshit, uh, that they want to take it back to. Um, yeah, uh, but Woke Indiana Jones, uh, Woke Indiana Jones is going to, uh, make sure that, uh, he's going to write a very strongly worded letter, um, to the uh developer of programming for the country he's in uh a uh, main public broadcasting channel to make sure that there's proper gender representation while he's uh uh lit 
comedically picking up indigenous people by their ankles and shaking them so all of the stuff falls out of their pockets and then <laughs> putting it into a giant sack like he's the fucking Hamburglar and running off. I, I think that woke Indiana Jones is going to be much more revisionist about the history of the series. So like he's going to he's going to save all these artifacts and monuments from ISIS, destroying them. And then he's going to go like return them to like the Syrian government. And they're going to be like, oh, man, thanks for saving, you know, all this like this important shit from our history that they were going to destroy. And, and he'll be like, hey, man, no problem. That's what I do. That's what I've always done ever since the 80s. Don't check. But that's what I, I've always been about this. This and is, nothing else. This is who I am. This is what I do. Don't look it up. Yeah, do I'm not love respecting uh, other cultures, like, uh, right to their own, like, uh, history and artifacts. And I, uh, famously, I would never, like, pillage um, for, for my own, uh, you know, uh, profit or uh, fame. Yeah, there's nothing, like... There's nothing about what I do that's related to what other anthropologists did a hundred years ago, which is about um, doing a colonialism so hard until a bunch of people die and then taking mm -hmm. those people and poking their dead bodies back in Europe to see, you know, <laughs> how many different muscles we think that they have. Like, like there's yeah. instead woke Indiana Jones. He's basically going to do, uh, he's basically going to like, he's going to just make a bunch, he's going to do municipal projects, but they're all just going to become various highways of death. And the, uh, <laughs> and then he's just going to say, you're welcome as he, as he rides off. Fuck, man. This is going to rule. I'm so hyped for this. Yeah. There's like, I'm excited to sort of explore the, the, the psychic gestures of woke neoliberal Indiana Jones. Um, <laughs> I think it's going to be a really fun project for the podcast. Um, um, and uh, you, you can uh, you can see our uh, co-authored publication on the topic in uh, um, uh, I can't think of a journal even that would the annual review of anthropology. That's one. <laughs> oh, wait, wait. No, no. OK, listen, here's what he's going to do. Opening scene. He's going to be running through that same like Aztec temple or, or whatever. I I. I I, I, I don't know who it was supposed to be. I don't know if they specified. It seemed Aztec-y. Uh, he's going to be trying to, he's going to be like putting that same gold idol back. <laughs> and he's going to be like, this belongs in an Aztec temple. And then he's going to walk out and all the natives are going to be there. And they're just going to high five him as he walks to his plane. Yeah. When uh, <laughs> it's going to be the Temple of Doom is just going to be Indiana Jones pointing out all the things that are problematic. Like, they're just going to remake it, and instead, Indiana Jones is just going to be talking about all of the, like, weird Orientalist, like, mm -hmm. culturally appropriative, like, mixed, like, like gumbo, like, otherized stuff that they're doing. Yeah, it's going to be really fun. Yeah, and he's going to do it in that really <laughs> annoying way that a lot of modern liberal, like, TV writing is, where they'll have the righteous character just, like... <laughs> rant their good and smart politics Aaron at the Sorkin's fucking screen. Aaron gonna write it. Yeah. Oh, it's gonna it's gonna be great, everybody. It's gonna um, be in banana bones. Maybe don't uh do uh colonial violence. Um, maybe this isn't a good look, Chief. Um, <laughs> Chief, this ain't it. This this ain't it. Um, that's 
the tweet. And then he's going to have a little sidekick who's going to be like, actually, you shouldn't say chief. <laughs> wasn't the last time his sidekick was like a grown man? Wasn't it Shia LaBeouf? I think Shia LaBeouf <laughs> was meant to be like his son. Who was, but he was a grown man because to be fair, Harrison Ford was a thousand years old at that point, And now he's 2000 years old. His sidekick is just Liam Neeson. <laughs> Liam Neeson. His son, Liam Neeson. <laughs> Whatever you say, Indy. Fuck, I want, yeah, I want Liam Neeson to just be there, like, uh, correcting him on his use of problematic language and stuff. Like, he's woke Liam Neeson. Mr. Jones, we will find this temple, but I would like to advise you on the problematic use of chief in that <laughs> previous statement. And then he just fights wolves with, like, bottles on his hands. Um... While, yeah, again, while, uh, while woke Indiana Jones, um, uh, uh, teaches, teaches indigenous people how to hashtag resist by calling Donald Trump the orange man. Oh my God. Oh fuck. They're just going to tweet the whole movie. It's going to rule. Okay. <laughs> listen, view viewers, listeners, uh, pod absorbers, uh, keep this woke Indiana Jones bit in the back of your subconscious for, for the following probably couple of years uh, until the Indiana Jones game comes out because we'll be revisiting this. Yeah, tweet us your bet your best bits at Pod on Twitter. Uh, give us your best uh, woke Indiana Jones, your best neoliberal Indiana Jones. Um, and Absolutely. We will, we will be sure to stay on this news, um, this breaking news, because we are it's reporters. It's so important. Yes. You need to hear it. Yes. Nothing more important has happened in like years. Right. I think we can all agree on that. Yeah. In the meantime, while we wait for further developments on that breaking news, um, you want to talk about a fucking video game? I think I would like to talk about a video game. Which video game would you like to talk about? Um, so I wanted to talk about a Final Fantasy. My problem is there's so many of them. I don't know how to choose. I may have uh, a, a, a way of persuading you. There's like music coming up in the back, like I'm a, in a musical and I'm about to start a number. Mm -hmm, and it yeah. goes a little something like this. And then I just sing the that flute theme music. I'm just, I'm just going to do it. Final Fantasy IX is the name of this game. Final Fantasy IX, that's the game we're going to talk about. Final Fantasy IX. Thank you. I spent all day talking about, like, writing about epistolary form and, like, fucking Pauline literature and, like, a prescriptive, stoic, out social consciousness of, like, Pauline literature. And there's nothing I appreciate more than at the end of that day being able to come here and do that awful thing that I just did um because i feel alive again i mean that's really what video games are all about making you feel alive again yeah uh rekindling the flame in, in your marriage that was going out but now it's mm -hmm. burning like uh like a, a fire spell yeah okay great yeah. So what do you think about Final <laughs> Fantasy IX? <laughs> uh, so, uh, 
Um, time to out myself as an old to all the listeners. Someone Boomer. referred to someone referred to me today, uh, the other day, as uh, a, a a a video essayist in their twenties, which made me laugh very loud. Thank you for that. You're my favorite. Um, I got Final <laughs> Fantasy IX when it came out. Um, I was approaching um, high school age. I th- believe I was about high school age. I got it close to when it came out, not exactly when. Um, and uh, this was after the first Final Fantasy game I played was uh, the American 3, um, also known as the Japanese 6 um, for Super Nintendo. And then I played 7 and 8 religiously. Um, as well as other Squaresoft games like Chrono Cross, Chrono Trigger, The Legend of Dragoon, that sort of a thing. So by the time I got to Final Fantasy IX, I had sort of gotten the the tour of what the series was trying to do in its more like modern games for the PlayStation. Um, and I was yeah. really excited, mostly because I don't know if you've played the Super Nintendo Final Fantasy games recently, but those motherfuckers hold up, especially six. My big hot take is that my favorite Final Fantasies are pretty much all um, within like the first six. Like I really fucking like um, four, five and six. And, and yeah, I'm, that would be a hot take in circles people who are younger than we are (laughs) yeah Uh, yeah see well the thing is i also um played final fantasy 9 shortly after it came out um i think i'm a bit younger than you because i sure as fuck wasn't uh near high school age when that came out but i um i played it i got i got things to say about it but but carry carry on i don't want to interrupt you no i uh no but by all means i just just more than anything what i think is interesting about nine is how it is after after seven and eight became the international successes that they were, um, four and six were really were really significant and important with that regard. But seven and eight even more so. Each game selling more copies than the one previous. Um, once I'll have to verify that, but I'm almost positive that that's true. Um, once nine came out, this was an attempt to sort of like re. I felt like it was an attempt of the series to sort of not reset as in like erase, not like a hard reset that would erase what had previously happened, but reset and like to phasily move into another section of the series. Um, And by doing so, kind of sort of compiling what they had attempted to do over the past however many, 20 years or whatever before that, um, and sort of pack it all into one game. And I think it is both what is very, very good about parts of Final Fantasy IX and also what is uh, weird, not always in a bad way, but sometimes in a bad way, but what's kind of strange about this game. And so it's a it's a game that is it's exceptional, both in the way that people say that it is and also in many, many other ways that I think aren't there isn't as much of an emphasis placed on it, but I am. I'm also curious your take, so I'll shut up. <laughs> All right. Well, I yeah, it, it is interesting how it revisits um, more of like the uh, traditional fantasy of the sort of earlier games, because obviously, yeah, seven and eight were huge. I loved seven and eight. And I remember when it came out, there was this kind of narrative, uh, at least among people my age, 
and a little older. I don't know about, like, proper adults, but there was this narrative that, like, Nine was more juvenile somehow, because at this time, culture was really fucking stupid, <laughs> and we were like, oh, there's, like, sad men in, like, steamy cyberpunk-esque uh, rooms in, like, uh, Final Fantasy Seven. So that's adult and serious, um, where there's slightly more like cartoony faces and there's wizards in nine. So that's for babies. Um, <laughs> however, for those of us who actually went ahead and played nine, I think it might be one of the bleakest fucking games I've ever played. Yeah, like it, it features an adorable magic child who's just coming to terms with the fact that he's going to fucking die soon. Yeah. It is like someone who realizes the villain of the game, like that as it's presented until I think like into disc three, because Final Fantasy, like the other games, but even more so actually no eight maybe does this worse, but it hits the fucking accelerator eventually and things go way crazy off the rails. Um, Yeah. Kuja as a character is maybe Kuja, Kuja is probably the most like, in in the very heavy-handed but i think effective way especially if if someone say who is younger and needs to get exposed to the humanities a little more the very shakespearean spirit of this game uh kuja is an inherently tragic figure that not only is like born as an angel of death but has been sort of like cruelly like robbed of emotional maturity and agency and literally is basically just like a small child trapped in the body of a grown death machine. Yeah. And you know, I I think that a lot about this game is Shakespearean. Um, And a thing that I think people don't always understand about Shakespeare is like a big part of what makes Shakespearean stories good is um, I think they have a relative simplicity to them. Yes. Um, and I think that kind of sets nine apart from a lot of the later installments of Final Fantasy, uh, like such as 13, mm. whose story is fucking incomprehensible. Um, kind of anything post Kingdom Hearts, there's starting <laughs> to be this real approach of just like, we're going to have a fucking we're going to have a story that makes no fucking sense to anyone. Characters are just going to walk around saying shit that kind of sounds deep but you have no context for what they're saying. So you don't know if it is. Um, and it's, it's really annoying and you never really know what's going on. And in contrast to that nine is such like a, a straightforward story, or, or I should really say a collection of stories. Cause every character kind of has their own like thing that they're going through. That's yeah. given quite a lot of time and attention. Like it's, it, there's sort of, um Zidane is like a main character sort of but I I would kind of count this as a game that doesn't really have a main character because I think everyone gets so much we we see so much from most characters perspectives in this game yeah. it's a ensemble game particularly through the aid of this really weird thing that they added for this game and as far as I can remember just for this game uh this a thing called an ATE an active time event which is oh where yeah yeah, it's crazy. Basically, a lot of the cutscenes that are in this game are in this front. Like, this is the art. This is what to me closes the door on the argument of whether or not this is an ensemble based game. It is. And this is the mechanic that demonstrates. Uh, I know authorial intent 
or for those who aren't giant fucking dorks like me, uh, <laughs> examining a text for what the writer of the text was trying to say, their particular intent. Authorial intent is, you know, not much of much of anything outside of some things. Um, I prefer to look into the author through the text rather than to look through the text into the text through the author. But um, like the active time event are these quick time events that pop up. You can press select on your controller and then watch these extra cutscenes that involve other characters that are elsewhere. Because in Final Fantasy games, oftentimes you like are carrying your party in your pocket or as it's implied. Um, like in seven, for example, they have the PHS, which is a system that allows you to switch your party members out either on the world map or at save points. Um, Final Fantasy eight, they don't really explain it besides that they're on the airship or whatever, but you can switch your party members out in the same way. Um, and in nine, it's also sort of just like, if I'm not mistaken, similarly implied that people are just kind of around you in seven, you literally like walk into each other and then the party becomes one person which is really kind of metal still i was in fourth grade when i first played that game and i thought that was i'm like you're just carrying everyone around that's kind of sick i don't i don't know why but <laughs> it's just i understood that it was a representation if you will but you're saying yeah in, in nine it definitely does feel more like all the party members are doing something like whenever you're in a town you yep. might be controlling one of them but often your party will leave like you'll enter a city for the first time your party will empty out and you'll just be controlling one guy and then you'll get the um the active time events whatever the fuck they're called that was um it. yeah and uh uh and then you'll sort of see what everyone else is doing at the same time and maybe you'll sh uh, shift perspective at some point and go control one of them or something like the final fantasy 7 remake which i'm sure we'll have an episode on that eventually um yeah it gives you a little taste of that in a way I appreciated. Like you get a little more of an idea, um, just sort of of what everyone is doing in in Midgar. Mm. Um, whereas some of yeah, some of like the original Final Fantasy VII and some of the older ones, they do very much just walk inside of you and you don't worry about it too much. <laughs> you move um, as one entity and it's very normal. Don't worry <laughs> about it. Yeah. But it makes it feel like a lived-in environment because exactly you you brought it up really well. Um, I think you put it in a really good way because the first time you go to like Linlum, for example, uh, it's this really, you only have a few party members and then you meet Freya for the first time, but it's this really big, like, this is a, like, an, th this game sort of, people have described this game as medieval. I wouldn't agree, actually. I would say it's more early modern. Um, the game is dated in its universe in the 1700s when you play it, but I don't think that would be too accurate, but it's kind of close. Like the early modern period being around, like, the beginning of like mercantile economies in the West and like the founding of the United States, like, like early colonialism in like the 15th, 14th to 15th centuries, that kind of a thing. Um, but so the, it's very regal. I really like the way that they sort of reimagined, uh, the early sort of D and D influence on it and the Dragon Quest series in that way. But also just like you, you're going random places and then you see Steiner. And of course, Steiner, Steiner's talking to the pickle dealer. And the pickle dealer is like, do you want one of these things? And he's like, nah, dude, those things are disgusting. Um, and then it, what that does, it's the, that's a whole running joke about how one of your characters doesn't like pickles. And it comes up a whole bunch of times. That's good story <laughs> and very interesting, good storytelling that makes the environment feel lived in and makes the cast feel 
like it's an ensemble rather than focusing on Squall and Renoa, Squall and Renoa, Squall and Renoa, or whatever, and not exploring the other characters. And I appreciated that. Yeah, like I can tell you so many things about every character in nine. Like, I can't tell you much about any of the characters in 13. They're so... There's nothing to them. They... they. Have you played 13? I was just about to say, I have a podcast confession um, that... I know some people know this because I've admitted it on the internet before, but other people don't. I present myself as a gigantic Final Fantasy fan. I am. It's the ch- series of my childhood. Final Fantasy, Dragon Quest, and Pokemon, basically. Um... I have not played a single frame of 13. I've barely even watched a single frame of 13 um, because I didn't have the console generation that it came out on. And then I just never ended up playing it. I have not. I know that the main character's name is Lightning because one of the games has the word Lightning in it. And my sister told me. Lightning is almost cool. But but again, there's not a lot to her. There's not a lot to any of these characters. I also missed 13 on consoles. I got like the PC ports. Mm. uh, recently, actually, I played 13 and 13-2, and then I played a bit of um, Lightning Returns, the third one, uh, like, last year. Uh, I played them just before I played the 7 remake, which was much, much better. Th- these mm-hmm. games all, they, they do the Kingdom Hearts thing where everyone walks around acting like what they're saying and what they're doing is, like, the most important and <laughs> deep and emotional thing ever, but... Y- as a viewer, you're never really sure why. Yeah. Like, they, they have such a fucking air of importance to everything. And it's just like, I don't... I don't really know what's happening. And when I contrast that with Nine, because it's such a simple story, like, when the Queen yeah. starts going around using, like, uh, summons to fucking, like, destroy cities and shit, the gravity of that, I think, is felt in a way that it just isn't when, like stuff blows up in in 13 or whatever because you don't really know what the fuck's happening yeah and like even within the context of seven for example especially with the set well and this is one thing that i thought the seven remake did incredibly well um which is as after the very first mission which opens up the same way as it does in the first game it's basically you're uh doing a domestic eco-terrorism uh again you know Final Fantasy 7. I played Final Fantasy 7 when I was like 10 years old. Like that's some base shit for a fucking 10 year old to be saying. I lo- I really yeah. do I do like to think that it had a positive effect on my politics. That would that would be I'm just going to choose that that's true because I love that narrative. <laughs> uh, it's 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 beautiful. Um but uh like in, in the beginning of that game you bomb a reactor and then uh the original does a fairly decent job. You escape fairly readily in the original. It does an okay job of portraying the gravity of the situation. You hear people around you talking about it. Um, but in the 7 remake, since they're able to do so much more, not only are you do you spend a certain amount of time walking um, back to your sector after the bombing, so you see all these civilians who are confused and outside and uh, they're scared and they're they're sort of like airing these concerns to one another. It just it does a good job of showing there are social consequences for what you're doing, and you can re- like when Queen Queen Braun is clearly losing her touch on reality, as you find out later that like this mist that's around the world is really really bad for people when they just sit around and inhale it all the time. Uh, it kind of makes you go crazy. Um, yeah, you feel the results, the consequences of her. L- the, the 
her losing her grip on reality and also how you see that in how dagger or as i have been naming her in that game since 2005 or whatever dorger um (laughs) (laughs) i I laugh i am 31 years old i laughed when i did that just the other day because i'm replaying nine now so i just fired it up and i saw all of a sudden someone asked dorger a question and i laughed it's like i've been laughing at that for so long that rules but yeah um essentially you see in her her reaction to her mother her adopted mother is a very like clear indicator that it, it, it there's a line the social institutions that exist in final fantasy 9 um are like displaying themselves through the individual characters in their isolated narratives and then those narratives come and intersect on one another uh along with the grander story and i think that's very very special way to tell a story i agree and i'm kind of realizing right now not not to keep going back to 13 this episode isn't about 13 but uh i'm realizing that a big part of why so many things don't work in 13 uh, is because you don't you hardly ever talk to anyone who isn't in the party like there's no fucking interaction with normal people And then when you compare that to nine, when you're always in amongst these towns and talking to people or seven, where you're like walking through fucking all these different areas of Midgar in in the wake of, of, of the, the bombing that you do. um, It's like, that's so important. It's so important to to interact with normal people in the world and like get a a feel for what the fuck's going on. Uh, Because otherwise, you're just listening to your party members like complain about their abstract problems for hours, and it's really boring. Yeah, because no one, no one person's problems are that important, even in video games. Yeah, and in nine, um, because I I love the seven remake, um, because you get to spend so much fucking time in Midgar. But in nine, what it does that's interesting is you go to a bunch of different towns and you get the different perspectives of these different people and these different like kingdoms or whatever. Uh, you you get an incredibly full picture of of this like uh, of the like geopolitical situation before shit starts to really kick off, kind of like yeah, two thirds of the way through the game or whatever. One hundred percent, yes, absolutely. For being a game that's more on rails, like the the like nine is more on rails than for longer in some in some cases than seven and eight was. Actually, I don't know about that, but the PS one titles are on a kind of rail imagined rail um Mm -hmm. and then the ps2 titles in ps3 like 13 seem to also be on a different kind of a more sort of focused trajectory but even 10 managed to do the i think the exact same thing because mostly because its story was a little more uh, on the simple side as well it was literally like like sin is it was like you know here's our religion and they're like oh no religion bad and also, like, religion, part of government, that's bad. Probably shouldn't do stuff like that. Theo- theocracy, like, critiquing theocracy and that sort of a thing. Um, I have a whole video on Final Fantasy X. You should watch it. I, it's yeah. my favorite. Um, and then you've got, like, the personal level where it's like, oh, no, my hot girlfriend is going to die. Yep. I don't want that. Like, the, the, you've got, like, that, that immediate emotional uh, sort of core to it. And then you've got, like, a basic, like central theme that the game is grappling with like that's Mm -hmm. i I wish that final fantasy games would keep it so simple uh more often (laughs) yeah that's why those early titles that you were talking about and like 
it's that like the the variations on the sort of like fundamentals of those types of storytelling are super important because that's what that's why Final Fantasy VI is so fucking good. Yeah, is because yeah. it's 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 a very, for lack of a better term, classical form of storytelling. While like, and then they just start like stacking Esper shit on top of it, and then they also make an ensemble game. Well, okay, so there there's a main character in Six and would be Terra, I guess, but like yeah. still. Like, it's still, like, it, they did the early SNES title thing where it's just, like, just keep the characters coming. Keep them coming. Like, and it was it was always a smart choice because you, you're you giving yourself, like, I don't think people should be afraid of form as much as they are sometimes. The only, the, I think the best way to, like, make something that you find interesting is to, like, place a value on the forms that you're like most affiliated with into like build atop this sort of like structural integrity of something that you know is going to work and that's what those games do um yeah that's so effective i miss i i miss the 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 fantasy kind of stuff that uh nine was sort of Nine was kind of like closing the door on some of like the traditional Final Fantasy stuff, like the yeah. having more the more rigid classes for each character and like uh, old school black mages and shit. Like it was uh, it very much felt like an intentional kind of send off to to that era, I guess, of Final Fantasy. Um, are there any sort of final things you want to say about Final Fantasy the ninth one? Uh, the Steam port is pretty good. It's worth getting if you haven't played it in a while. It's nice to recommend, uh, the game this week. Um, you should play it. It's a good game. Even if you haven't played if you, uh, oh, actually, here's the, here's the way to say it. I think this is a very uncontroversial take. There, I have several versions of this take, uh, depending on the type of person, because if you ask me which Final Fantasy game you should play first, I'm going to say, here's 10 opinions all at once, because <laughs> you, this is your mistake. You asked, but... If you haven't played a Final Fantasy game before and you didn't play a lot of Super Nintendo games or like Super Nintendo JRPGs and stuff, start with nine. I think it'd be a good place to start. Uh, I, I, yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, it's, I'm just realizing kind of that, uh, we, we have, we have not done a lot of games that we like. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause we did the Outer Worlds, which, <sighs> I wish I liked, but I just yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, we did Bioshock, which I actually do kind of like uh, Bioshock, um, but like it's you know dumb in a lot of ways. Mm. Uh, we did Fallout Three, which I wouldn't recommend to anyone really. Right. Uh, and then uh, of course we did Call of Duty Cold War, which I literally think should be illegal. Yeah, I think we should ban. That. I think we should ban that video game. I agree. Yeah. So yeah. Um, it it does feel good, yeah, to talk about a game where it's like, yeah, this is just like good. Go play it, man. Um, yeah. Some of the um, I'm trying to remember if it's the PC version. I think it might be. Uh, some of the bits can be a little slow, like yeah. uh, the animations in combat. I think to a modern audience might feel really fucking slow. Yeah. Um, even compared to a lot of more modern turn-based games, but. Uh, the one I was playing, the PC port I played, I don't know if there's multiple or not. Uh, it had like a built-in fast-forward function that I could just yeah. toggle on and off. All of the remasters have that, including the PS4 version. The uh, the game, the Final Fantasy ports on Switch, 
I've only played eight on that, but that one also has the uh, the little speed boost, the little cheats built in. Yeah. So if you don't want to fucking, you know, spend like 30 full seconds watching VV fucking cast thunder for the 200th time, you can just fucking <laughs> speed through it. Uh, and it makes the whole thing a lot smoother. Um, I can see why I my big hot take is that I don't think Final Fantasy should have ever abandoned turn based. I can see why definitely they thought they ought to looking at some of the old turn based games. But I think yeah. that there are modern turn based games that are very good and, and quick yes. and feel snappy. Yeah, they fucked up royally with that. They followed the trends. I agree. I see why that they would do something like that. The way that those sort of combat-based games are going, they absolutely fucked up by taking out turn-based combat. All I've ever wanted is a turn-based Final Fantasy game again. Please fucking give it to me. Well, it's Please. literally spawned games like Bravely Default, who are like, hey, yes. we're just going to do like old-school Final Fantasy because we know loads of people want this. By the way, Bravely yes. Default is great. Fantastic, um, yes. Uh, the, the first time I have ever thought that they did a good job imagining a a, a real-time combat system was the seven remake seven i actually remake, really yeah. liked the combat um but i think it was really bad in 12 it was bad in 13 uh it, i just I, I don't know if i'd say it was bad in 15 it just didn't really work for me uh, i'm fine with 12s i don't think it was as fully real the the remake of 12 is probably one of the best remasterings of a final fantasy game and has the most shit in it i played it on ps4 um, I got it as a birthday gift. They knew me. Did they remake um, twelve? I didn't even realize. Yeah, they did that international version that the United States never got. I also I bought twelve the day it came out. Um, I drove I drove to go buy Final Fantasy twelve for people who are aging me again. I rode a skateboard to get ten, and I drove <laughs> to get twelve. That is a one hundred percent true story. You guess my sister. rules. Uh, yeah, it's pretty sick. I'm not gonna lie. Um, <laughs> uh, but. Uh, 12, the international release of 12 had all of this extra stuff in it, like uh, basically a, a hard, ver like in the same thing that it did for 10, there, it was an international version of 10 that they also did for the HD remake of 10 and 10 2 that had like different versions of the sphere grid that were less formal and like, they didn't think Western audiences were going to like, like not being told what to do basically, which is funny because <laughs> um, Western RPGs are kind of the opposite. But uh, for popular audiences, I guess I get it. But you have all this sort of like more breathing room and options and then they improved some of the things. Although they got, they made the missables not a missable anymore, which I don't agree with. That's one of my favorite things about Final Fantasy IX is that there's a bunch of missables and it makes you play that big long game again because I play these games over and over again. I love that there's stuff that you can miss. Yeah. Because I always end up getting it when I go back. You know, in 10, the sphere grid was something I didn't really agree with because I I like even the way seven did it. It was a little iffy. Like, I like when you have clear cut classes like in nine where it's like, this is Steiner. He's like your tank fighter guy. This is Vivi, the black mage. Like, I, I like how it matters more which characters yeah. you pick, like how you build your party in nine. I feel like which characters you pick creates a very different party. You than... have to pick a certain number. You have to have. So Zidane, 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 whatever we call him, Zidane, as we always called him. And then you have to have some kind of other physical class, so either Steiner or Amarant or Freya. Freya is also more of a support class, and she's a Dragoon, so she does mm -hmm. jump my favorite. My favorite type of class in Final Fantasy, by the way, has always been Dragoons. Um, hey, same. I fucking love Dragoons. Pole users have always basically been 
my favorite. Uh, they jump. I uh, respect it. It's dope as fuck. Um, but uh, yeah, and then you have to have. There's two main healers, uh, Ico and Dagger. You have to have one of them. They also mm-hmm. both summon, and so the game builds that into it. So you're if you forego one, you're not also foregoing summoning. It's like, yeah, I like that. Seven, I think, was a. I will, in my personal opinion, I'll say seven was kind of a nice compromise to that because of the way that they had fixed stats, and it forced you to sort of like work with that. And then the way that the way that equipping magic sort of like made you a magic user was only went so far. But there's something special about just like this is your fighter. He uses he uses fists. This is fighter who used sword. Also, Steiner. Vivi is probably the best character in all of Final Fantasy. Is the only hot take I didn't get a t- chance to oh, say. Agreed. I think Absolutely agreed. I adore me, him. His whole the most like special character. His his character arc is fucking brutal in a way that other Final Fantasy games that try to be like moody and deep couldn't even fucking like begin to to touch. The airship scene, um, where the black mages. Uh, are falling um, from the like whether you're fighting the third black waltz um, and you're in the air mm-hmm. and then Vivi sees all of the other black mages that in Final Fantasy IX black mages are these sort of like fabrications uh, that are given life every once in a while there's a glitch and they get consciousness and reason <laughs> which is a uh, remarkable um, and tr- it's prepare to cry motherfuckers. God. It's it's fucking it's it's rough like it's so moving oh, it's so good it's a beautiful story that ca- that is a special special character they I don't think they've done anything better than like you know like Terra Terra was a remarkable Final Fantasy character maybe one of the most maybe the most Terra from six mm-hmm. um and then Vivi came Vivi's Vivi is a Terra like character someone that who um, Vivi was not centered in the story in the way that Terra was in that game. But like occupied such an enlarged space just because the way that his character made was so remarkable. In closing, I just want to say that it makes me miss those those classic uh, aspects of Final Fantasy games, like you know the turn based combat, your your structured like your cl- clearly defined classes, and to just one last time juxtapose it with thirteen. In thirteen, they don't even have classes; they have roles that. Mm-hmm. Um, anyone can kind of do most of the roles and they're just like medic uh, melee attacker magic attacker and then like uh, defender and shit like that it's just like the army it's just like you're like might as well be like playing call of duty (laughs) yeah and the thing is that any character can do most of those roles some of them gravitate a little more towards one than the other but Only if you care about being optimal, it's not like it doesn't really matter. And if you look at the characters, like at home, feel free to go Google like Final Fantasy 13 characters and go to images and look at like the cast and like who who's a caster, who's like a tanky melee fighter, who's like a a a, a fast damage dealer. Like you can't. None of them look. They, none of them look like anything. None of them. From looking at them, I don't think you can like see like, oh, they do that, they do that. Like they just, they, they've done a. Sh- it's it's bad character design. They all just look like some dudes and ladies from Final Fantasy. Yeah, like 
If you put, I mean, I, now I admitted that I hadn't really, I had barely even seen any footage from Final Fantasy XIII being a huge fan of the series. But honestly, if you took the main characters, including the main, main character, and put them next to a bunch of NPCs from that game, I guarantee it, I, like, I would be able to tell only by hair color in some instances, <laughs> I would imagine. Yeah. No, it's, it's, I don't know. And by the way, if you did look at any of those characters and, and say, oh, they look like they're that type of class, uh, no matter what you said, you're right, because any of them can be anything. <laughs> so they have no fucking personality mechanically. It sucks. It's a bad game. Play nine instead. It's really great. Oh, and <laughs> some characters synergize. Steiner synergizes with Vivi. You can like, Vivi can oh. like cast spells on his sword and shit. It's so fucking cool. I, I wish they kept doing to that. The st- story because yeah. he vivi is the only person that steiner respects <laughs> Not yeah. he hates See, everybody else you've got a you've got a game mechanic now reinforcing like things that are actually like in the text itself that's fucking yeah. poggers mate really 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 good writing all right that's the that's the that's the closing statement on final fantasy 9 it's good it's good game. game. Play the play game. Play it. Play game. Hey. Play game. Hey. Has somebody been a bastard recently? Yeah. I think they have. Uh-oh. I think Uh-oh. Someone did a little whoopsie doodle. Mm-hmm. And oh well dang. We are recording this on the uh, 14th of January, and this was posted on. The 14th of January. We're on it. Um, uh, I'm, I'm reading from a, uh, uh, article in Vice by, uh, Patrick Klepek titled Former Workers Allege YouTube Channel Game Explain Was Exploitative Workplace. Um, and I just need to also place an emphasis on the fact that Game Explain is spelled G-A-M-E capital X P-L-A-I-N. So uh I apologize everyone you can go uh release your lunch. It really pisses me off because game ends with an E and it's all one word. So the word explain is still there in full. Yes. And it's just it it's nasty it's just, to look at. It's no, rancid. It's just wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Um this is a this is a YouTube channel that I hadn't heard of before we uh read this article. Um, but that has, it's an unbelievable, 13,243 videos. Oof. Um, Game Explain has been a channel since around 2009. They have 1.1 billion views and old worker, uh, workers who used to, uh, uh, write and produce content for them are saying that it was, uh, such a horrible fucking environment because of the deadlines and the stress of uh, getting reviews out um, only for them to then get uh, to get reviews out under horrific, really pressing deadlines that making one writer who was being discussed in there in particular, just like, you know, like sit in cold showers in order to try and stay awake so they can finish their stuff in order and just in order for it to get of course copyright flagged on youtube so (laughs) (laughs) so they basically someone who like stays up full multiple days to try and get a review out for this shitty fucking youtube channel that is not not only not giving them the money uh 
for the amount of work that's going into this, but is also basically making such a horrible environment where you can't make possibly make good content under that much stress. Um, uh, that, that person for that, uh, that video, by the way, which is described in the article, I would encourage anybody to read it, um, got paid 500 bucks for like taking years off of their life, uh, and like just hours and hours of work. Um, so apparently, yeah, working for one of these like watchmojo.gov list top 10 nips, nip slips by children's uh, <laughs> cartoon mascots for uh, uh, number one. I'm so the, glad the, you said cartoon mascots. Fuck me. <laughs> children, not just children. I, I, no. I don't. No, I don't. No. <laughs> I apologize uh, for the weird pauses that I take in riffing, which is when I'm – it's like when you're doing a freestyle rap and you find a good spot that's a good pause. You just do like a ghost face kind of flow and really what you're doing in those pauses is thinking of what to say next. Every once in a while, I accidentally say something. I would say that that's, we're the ghost face of podcasts in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah, um, I think we that's are, safe to say. We are uh, – this – uh, podcast is a combination of three things. One, um, Bubsy from the series Bubsy. Mm-hmm. Two, uh, John Coltrane. And three, Ghostface Killer from the Wu-Tang Clan. Yeah. Ghostface, like, come on the pod. Inspect the deck. <laughs> yeah. every, every member of the Wu-Tang Clan who is still with us, um, if you could just come on the pod. Especially the ones that no one's heard of. You God. Yeah, You God doesn't he doesn't get the recognition that is due. I would actually agree with that. Yeah. Master Master Killer. What has no one heard of Master Killer? I don't I know they have. I don't know. Just everyone knows Riza. Everyone uh, yeah. and like and Method Man. I guess I'm so into like the the first three Wu Tang albums. I don't know who's like I don't remember who, other than Method Man, I never remember who's actually, like, uh, famous in their own right, kind of. Raekwon is does okay. He has some big re- records. Ghostface, Fishgale was really good for him. And then ODB, yeah. and then, I mean, Jizza. Yeah, I mean, Jizza's like, solo shit is fucking amazing. I always feel Liquid like it's, Swords, it's a little more obscure, though. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think Liquid Swords is, like, very notorious and is, you know, the best Wu-Tang solo record oh yeah it's uh, one of the best fucking hip-hop records full stop ever. it's insane yeah yeah um, unbelievable this is welcome back to uh all gamers are bastards a podcast only about the wu-tang clan all gamers are bastards and and uh related solo projects of course yeah this well, is well, of our course, episode on liquid swords <laughs> We could very, I, I am now, well, we've talked about music before and we've talked about hip hop before, but now I have confirmation that we could just all of a sudden change this completely into a podcast about the Wu-Tang Clan, um, <laughs> uh, just without any, just all of a sudden tomorrow, like a next episode of Agab, uh, it's, a, it's about, uh, 36 ch- chambers. Anyways, game explain. Game explain. Um, uh, the in in this Vice article, uh, one of the uh, workers who they talked to uh, describes having to basically like marathon the entire Final Fantasy VII remake, which 
Uh, it says takes uh, 33 hours to play. Yeah. At least 33 so. hours. I know it took me longer, probably, altogether. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, so this fucking guy, he had to... He had to I think he, he played the whole game in one sitting. Yeah. And Literally. then he had to write a review. And then he had to make a fucking video that uh, Square Enix then flagged. Uh, and it got taken down. And uh, article says it would not reappear for another two days. So he'd uh, he rushed through that hellish like 48 hours for fucking nothing. And he describes yeah. breaking down into tears at his desk because he's just yeah. been treated like such garbage for no fucking reason, really. Yeah. He says, if a Nintendo Direct aired, I would find myself working up to 18 hours to cover its contents, which like... First of all, can you just like, can you imagine being so haunted by the prospect of a fucking Nintendo Direct happening and just, you know, anytime someone like does that little snap their, like snap their fingers. And if someone snaps their fingers, like it's the switch opening in a hallway. So it has reverb on it. That guy has a fucking heart attack every single time because he's been traumatized by like the fact that there's surprise releases in like that the gaming industry doesn't like they get like they schedule these things ahead of time yeah sure but like the the video game industry capitalizes on a 24-hour news cycle just like any other industry does so there's always something that could be writing that you they could be writing about and this former worker for the game explain channel was talking about how in like he made 25 he made basically twenty five thousand dollars a year to work like from nine to nine every day on pumping out like middling video content for this channel. And it's, it's just, it's just absolute bullshit. And for all of this, this is a, if some, by the way, if someone can play an entire Final Fantasy like seven, this whole Final Fantasy seven remake in one sitting and then turn around, write, make any review about it. Certainly that person has to be a talented writer and creator who could be making some very, very good reviews should they be treated like a human being and not like, um, well, a human being, but in the 1870s or what the fuck ever, like, like early industrial revolution, like this is the floor where the children work because they have small hands <laughs> and they can fit in yeah. the textile machines, which is true, by the way. That's why kids mm-hmm. work in textile factories. That's what happens when you just let capitalism do its thing. And also yeah. shit like this at fucking um, uh, Game X plane uh, is also what happens. And yeah, th- this guy is clearly like uh, a determined, hardworking and like intelligent person to be able to do this at all. And the yeah. the the product they would get out of him if they treated him like a fucking human being would be so fucking good but instead they just have him fucking running ragged and like half it fucking dead from exhaustion all the time right and i i for one would never click on a fucking game explain video even before i knew about this shit just like because you can tell from looking at it you mentioned fucking watch mojo earlier it's the same shit you look at it and it's like that's going to be trite fucking garbage i don't want to watch that that's nothing i will you know it's the whole this whole industry of just churning out like fucking dog shit content in quotes where you basically just like your game reviews are just saying what happened in the game and you'll recap fucking Nintendo directs 
uh, where there's already a thousand recaps and you could just go watch the fucking Nintendo thing yourself. It's it's such a disgusting waste of human ability. I don't know if I did the math on it right, but basically for as long as that channel's been out, which I'm sure they didn't do the, do it do this when it first started, but they've had to in order to have the amount of videos that they have, they've had to put out probably at least like two, probably three videos a day since 2009 in order to get 13,000 videos. So like it's just like a it's just a fucking it's a YouTube sweatshop. This is yeah. a YouTube sweatshop and like they're not ri- like the the way that these fucking like like West Coast fucking vultures, these like liberal vultures are going to just be able to come in and suck every single ounce from everything that we have is not only because everyone uses their fucking shit, but because they are like all of the all of the fucking facade of like Facebook and all of these like like the fucking Zuckerberg 5000 getting dragged in front of Congress and actually having to account for some of the stupid bullshit that he does or whatever. It's all fucking kayfabe. Yeah. Like they rely way too much on them. They have like especially in the United States, they have these people by the balls. No one's going to try and break up big tech. They're not doing it. And so they're going to be able to continue to do whatever the fuck they want. And it's going to let any bad boss who who gets, you know, 15 grand from their dad as a startup for their game axe playing channel or whatever. So they can go be a t- small business tyrant online to abuse these fucking people. It's completely ridiculous. It's fucked. And to this week's bastard of the week, game explain. Fuck you. Oh, fuck you. Come fuck on. You. You're such an asshole. Eat shit. <laughs> <laughs> like who does who does this who for, does this for game explain like come on this person also you know they own like they own a tasty freeze and a tropical smoothie too why don't you go fucking torture those teenagers <laughs> and like instead of like also having to like bring your like noxious like monstrous behavior to online people too just leave us alone leave Fuck gamers off. alone leave, gamers have been through enough <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's. Well, we've gone pretty long. Let's do plugs and and wrap this yeah. up. You can follow me at Labor Kyle on everything. I make stuff that'll be out eventually. There's my plug. All right, uh, yeah, you can follow me. Uh, I'm KN Skittles on everything. You got you got your Twitter, your YouTube, fucking Twitch. You I do it all, Twitter. baby. You got your YouTubes. You got your Twitches. What do you want? I got your Twitch. I got you your, your Gabagool. I got your Gabagools. What do you want? What do you want? <laughs> we are, in fact, walking here, by the way, as a podcast. We are. Yeah. If, I, I just want to confirm that we're walking here. We always walk while we record. Don't try to yep. sort of like <laughs> intercept our path in any way. We'll okay. become very we like, irate about it. We have like li- library carts with like PCs <laughs> and recording equipment just like walking around our buildings. Yeah. I'm going to be on the news one of these days. Yeah, and not for the reasons you'd expect. It's going to be great. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Goodbye. Bye. All gamers are bastards.
Ah, spaghetti. Ah, ravioli. Ah, mamma mia.